0: here. Yes, we are. Once again, technology presents a challenge to us.
1: I used to consider myself a little bit technology uh, savvy, but uh, I don't know about lately. (laughs) I used to. I don't know,
0: but we'll have to see.
1: Well, whatever happened to the days when you had to install a new card onto your computer and you had to set the com ports and uh, uh, whatever else it was and the DOS file and reboot and see if it worked and if it worked you kept on going if it didn't you had to redo the dos file reboot (laughs) yes well i remember the days when yes reboot
0: was the solution to every problem well well, it didn't work tonight (laughs) no it didn't but we got it fixed so
1: anyway oh so here we are how are you today Eh, I'm doing fine. I think you jinxed me yesterday with your comment about your throat feeling scratchy because this afternoon mine started. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, I am fighting very hard not to get sick.
0: And I think, I'm hoping it's just allergies.
1: Yes, allergies. Yeah, because you don't really have a winter down there in Texas, do you?
0: No, not, and not a winter like you guys have. I mean, it gets cold and we definitely have days below freezing, but no. I think what it may have been was my niece got married last Thursday, Mm -hmm. and they had an outdoor wedding, outdoor wedding in the middle of February.
1: Well, Uh as long as it's a destination uh, wedding on a beach somewhere that's uh, pretty much further south in the continental U.S., you're good. Well, no, this was on our family farm in Tyler,
0: so it wasn't cold. Fortunately, the weather cooperated that way. But I was helping out with this and gathering firewood for their bonfire and out in the middle of a bunch of dried grass and hay and I think I probably inhaled enough allergens to cause this. So I'm hoping that's all it is. But <laughs> but I am doing some coughing. So that will probably have a lot of pauses When I mute my mic, I have to edit out of this final recording, but
1: so be it. Well, that's the magic of editing. Yes. If they they only knew what (laughs) what an unedited unedited version sounded like. They don't want to hear. Well, if you want to hear what an unedited podcast sounds like, just listen to Absolute DC. Uh, Yes, but they've been at it for so long, they've almost got their routine down. That's true. They do. But I
0: spend, gosh, hour and a half, two hours editing. Nothing like Joey Galvez, I understand. He says he spends five hours editing the Batpod podcast, which I can't imagine what he's doing. Well, maybe they have a number of outtakes. <laughs> Possibly. But.
1: So tonight we were going to talk about previews. Yes, and I think we're going to mix it up from our... What well, we've been doing yet again. I think we had one previews way we did it, and then we changed it, and I think we're going to change it up again. Yes.
0: Well, I know at least three other podcasts out there that do a previews episode. Comic Alternative is one. I, think, uh, I can't think of the others. And they're all very similar in the format, and we were kind of doing the same thing. So we had talked about it and decided that perhaps taking a little bit different take on it. So instead of just going through the whole catalog in each section and pr- picking up a number of different books, because we were trying to do, you know, a certain number from each of the pub- of the premier publishers and then the back half. So the approach that we decided to take and we're going to try and we'd like to get your feedback on how you like it is we've just gone through and I think we've picked out four books each that we really are interested in.
1: Mhm, And I think we'll just go in the depth on those and why we find them interesting and and things like that. Because, I don't know, we were finding there towards the end that we weren't just really... Well, I guess we were hitting some dry spells, you know, in previews and all that. And I guess we were spending a little bit more time in the, the big two, and we kind of want to get away from that. Yes. So, that is what we're going to do tonight. Okay. Of course, we, we sat there and set that rule... And I may do an asterisk by that rule at the very end. (laughs) Well, I may have an asterisk as well, so. (laughs) So, but what can you do? I mean, they're the big two for a reason. That is true. That is true. So, and I was looking through the book, and I'm afraid, again, that we're probably going to have a bunch of duplicates. So I actually went and picked about eight or nine things that I kind of like, just so we don't have any duplicates.
0: I did as well, because I thought there might be some...
1: Oh, man. Are we just getting more professional at this, or we just a glutton for punishment and work? Um, Gosh, professional? I don't think anybody that (laughs) listens to this
0: podcast would say professional in any means. But
1: Well, I guess if it was professional, it doesn't mean we'd be getting paid, and we know that's not happening. No, we don't. We
0: get paid in satisfaction of knowing that we have at least made a couple people's listening time Worth
1: it, so. I <laughs> no, mean, distracted them from the work they're supposed to be doing? Right, yes. Okay, I'm pretty good at that. Yeah. So, would you like to start? Um, uh, sure. I'm gonna start, and I'm gonna go with a non-conventional one, something that I, I was struggling with, and I'm only picking this book because of the cover. Okay. Just because it's a Mac cover, and I went back and forth, whack and forth, And for some reason, and I have no background on a character or the TV show or anything like that, but that Xena, Warrior Princess number one cover by Mac from Dynamite is just, I don't know. It could Maybe it's because I'm on a Conan kick or something right now with the coming back to Marvel and all that stuff, and I've been getting the classic stuff, and I really enjoyed the Dark Horse things, but that Mac cover is just, I don't know. It is just really, 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 really nice. I saw that, and it, it is a nice cover. But, you know, I can't, you know, I can't recommend just buying stuff just for the covers, but... Whew. I just don't know. It's, it's the watercolor, and I just love the way the sun is in the background there.
0: Yes, it's well done. It's a very, I wouldn't say abstract, but the background is somewhat abstracted.
1: Well the ad, the well kind of the foreground and the background. And then the character is kind of defined a bit more. And then I guess they're kind of I don't I don't know what the technique is. You kinda of, uh see the sidekick silhouetted, I don't know if that's the right term or whatever. Yes, but. it almost looks like one of those
0: watermarks that they put on printed paper. So you can't really see it from a certain angle then, but you look at it and you say, Oh, here's the manufacturer. So it looks similar to that
1: yeah but that that's a and that that's one of the covers i think few covers i think would be look even better if it was like a virgin cover with none of the trade dress on it right so anyway but, yeah. i can't go any deeper i can't go any deeper into this book or anything about it but other than that's just a nice cover and if you're into comics for art you know that could that might be one that you want to get just for the art on the cover right because I'm not
0: familiar with this creative team at all. script is by Vida, Vida Ayala, artist Olympia Sweetman. I'm not familiar with mm-hmm.
1: work at all. But you're familiar with David Mack. I am quite familiar with David Mack, yes. Ooh, you know what? There is a retailer incentive virgin cover of that. Ah. But that's one of those where it's probably one out of 50, one out of 100. So going to be a little bit more expensive. Well, since we're on the subject, this wasn't one of my picks.
0: It's one of my alternates. But I may get one of the covers of this just for the
1: cover since we're talking about that. <laughs> what? So maybe this is the previews cover episode. It could be. Uh, the book is It's in Boom Studios, Faithless, number mm-hmm. one. Okay, I'm actually getting that because I found that an interesting story, but you like the cover also? Well, I'm looking
0: for the Lote erotic variant that they can't show in (laughs) previews.
1: Just so you can have it, and you can go to uh, C2E2, and if she's there signing, make her sign it in front of people, depending on how lewd it is? Yes.
0: Well, I won't be out until, what, this is April, so, yeah, I'm not going to see her at C2E2. I won't have it by C2E2, but... I'm, I'm a enormous fan of Tulolo Tay, and I, I'm mm-hmm. really thinking about getting that. And who knows, the story may end up being, it is an interesting story. I kind of picked it as one of my alternates, but I'm definitely getting that
1: cover. So just for flexibility co- nice. of it. Anyway, does it give any more insight about the cover, that cover, or, you know, well, I wonder if it's going to be one of those that's bagged. It is. And you're going to have to open it up to see actually what it looks like.
0: Oh, it says it there. It says that the erotic variant cover for Faithless will be bagged and not publicly previewed due to sexually explicit material.
1: (laughs) Well, don't they do that kind of thing with uh, sex criminals for uh, Image? Mm -hmm. I have one of them.
0: I have the one that uh, Jaime and Gilbert Hernandez did.
1: Uh, Still in the polybag or not in the polybag? No, it's not in the polybag. I'm going to have that you framed
0: go. or something. That one was actually – and it's actually signed, and that was given to me or by uh, our good friend, Justin.
1: Ooh, there you go. Anyway. Yeah, I guess you can't sign it if it's in a bag, can you?
0: You can sign the bag, I guess, but that would not yeah. probably not have much collectible value.
1: Yeah. Well, you like the, the cover artist there, but I actually am getting this because of the writer, Brian Azzarello. Yes. Good writer. He writes some good stuff, so this looks a little bit different than what I'm used to. I'm used to him doing that really, I don't know, I don't know if I'd call it crime noir, but just really gritty, dirty, in your, that ah, dirty's not the right word for this. You know, this, just in your face, gritty, punching the mouth kind of stories and things, and it's, I've, I've in, thoroughly enjoyed all this stuff. I have too, and yes, you're right,
0: it's quite a departure for him. It's getting more into I don't know, supernatural type stuff and the A cover is quite uh quite explicit itself. Not sexually explicit, but
1: um uh, it's a rather violent it seems, looking cover. It seems to be a lot of blood. Yes. But that's the Paul Pope cover and I was half tempted to get you know, you got the little toy cover and you got a Paul Pope cover, and I'm like Geez, this is just, the only thing in here I don't really know about is uh Maria Levette. Levette, yeah. So I don't know if I've, I'm not that familiar with her, so other than that, it's like three out of four. Just check my boxes there, and you know, this Maria Levette probably could too. I mean, you look at the samples, and it looks pretty good there, so. But they don't give you the colorist or any of that other information. Nope, they don't. I mean, it out to be a good book.
0: I mean, Azarello has got to be, be decent, I mean. Oh,
1: agreed. I'm going on it just on, you know, Azarello alone. Right. So, okay. All right, well, I'm going to take the next one. I'm going to do another one where we're both picking. Okay. And that's from Action Labs. And so what would that
0: be? That would have to be Spencer and Locke, Volume 2
1: exactly, oh I have been waiting for this ever since we talked to the two creators last year yes and he was kind of describing what it was oh did he yeah he was talking to about us kind of what it was going down but mm-hmm. we couldn't talk about it right until he got until it got solicited correct
0: so yes this is far and away the most for me the most anticipated thing that's coming out of this catalog. You got that right. I mean, I am waiting for this. Yeah.
1: And I guess uh, Martin scooped us on this because I think he's already talked to them a few episodes back in Comic Talk Today on a Therapy Thursday. And we're talking about the inspiration for it and everything like that. So um, I don't think we need to go back down that path. Just go listen to that episode of Comic Talk Today. But, you know, he mashes together, you know, another uh, comic strip with Spencer and Locke. And it's a totally different take on a different character. It is. And didn't a creator uh, recently pass away a couple of weeks ago? I think. What? For the comic strip. Oh. I don't. Not 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 for Spencer and Locke, but I meant. <laughs> I'm hoping. You know, no no no. Creators. Okay. Not them. Like the original from the comic strip. Maybe. Well, I guess we can sit there and say it's 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 Calvin and Hobbes meets Beetle a uh, PTSD Beetle Bailey. Right. I don't know about, and I think Mort and is it Mort Anderson?
0: I think you're right. All right, I'm running the Duck Duck, duck Go. Right Are now. you
1: doing the, you do the, the Duck Duck Go? Man, your Duck Duck Go is slow.
0: Walker. Walker. Yes, he pa- well, he passed away in 2018, so it's been a, just quite too recently, but yeah, January 2018. Oh, no, it 2018? 2018, so it's been over a year. So no. <laughs> wow, what <is> i listening <laughs> to an then? old podcast. Hmm. For but, that may have been it. Yes. But no, I, I cannot say, put words to how much I'm anticipating this. Ooh, which cover do you like the best? I don't know. I think I like the Santiago, Jorge Santiago. Yeah, I, I went with his. That's the one I went with. So, but yes, that's, yeah, that's definitely a good book. And I knew, well, I knew if that wasn't an overlap that you should be ashamed of yourself.
1: Cause I knew I was picking that one. <laughs> well, I've been waiting. I've been trying to watch for it and everything. I'm like, when's this going to get out? When's it going to hit out? And then finally, I think Martin was talking to him and they were saying it was going to be solicited in February. and he's right. like,
0: Yes. So, for the, an April release, we're looking at in the month. So, mm-hmm. so, good stuff there, peoples. And I know at least David Pipose is going to be at C2E2. So, um, maybe you will have something. Some Tidbits there.
1: Yep. Yeah, all I know is it's like I didn't get the original run of it. I got the trade paperback, and I'm still debating whether or not to see if I can go get the floppies right. the fir- of Series 1 or Episode 1 or Volume 1 or whatever you call it. Spencer Locke. I don't know. Chapter 1. I don't care.
0: Pick your name. So your name Uh Well, the first, this is, my, I guess, my first proper one that I've picked of my four is. She Could Fly,
1: The Lost Pilot. Did you read? I read the first series, and I kind of got lost on that. It was a bit
0: cryptic in places, but I thought it was one of the better comic book series last year. But then again, I like things that are twisted and deep and convoluted, and the character in this, Luna, is so complex and so psychologically disturbed it i just like reading that type of thing it really challenges me mm-hmm. and you know if for if you haven't people haven't read it the premise was that there was this started out this woman flying without assisting of any sort of aircraft just flying over the city until she was basically
1: just exploded in midair and luna started Yeah, I was about to say spontaneously combusted, but I don't think there was any fire involved, was there? So anyway,
0: this Luna started trying to investigate, and she started getting deeper and deeper and finding out some things that she shouldn't have learned, and then people were after her, and ends up, she, I think, ended up in a mental institution. Well, in this second series, she's out now, but her interest in this woman's family, the mysterious flying woman, has reignited, so... Christopher Cantwell has written the script and art is by Martin Marazzo. so
1: I, I if this is as good as the first one it's gonna be quite entertaining well I read the first one and maybe it reads better together I think for this series I may yeah. wait and get it in trade so I can read it all the way through because I I think it's in, like you said it's kind of deep twisty and I don't know. Maybe I got (laughs) enough in life to distract me, but you know, when you go, when you go a month between issues, sometimes I don't. Maybe it doesn't connect well together. So I'm thinking I'm going to try this one all in one shot, so I, you know, so it just flows. That could could very well work. So, but no, no, interesting pick there. Yes, very. So, all right. Well, I'm going to go with a. Well, no, it's not a trade paperback, but it is a it is a hardback coming out, and it's from Aftershock, the replacer, or a prestige format graphic novella. Interesting. So, so I've gotten the other Aftershock uh, books now. Like the first one, Shock, was an anthology, and I think the most recent hard. Hardcover or whatever to come out was Cullen Bunn's Witch Hammer, which is really good. So, I, they're, you know, they've been great so far. And this is, um, you know, as this prestige format graphic novella right. by Zach Thompson. And the artist is Ar- Arjuna Susini. And they actually list the, uh, colorist. And the, the cover's by the artist, but then the colorist is D. Oh man, Kanifi. Man, I probably just didn't pronounce those. Um, <laughs> taking off to Ronnie, I guess. But this is uh, the 1990s. Tragedy strikes the Beharo family in the form of a debilitating stroke. Now the youngest child in the family is convinced his paralyzed father didn't truly fall ill, but is possessed by something sinister. He believes a demon the replacer has come to take away his jolly agreeable, tech-obsessed dad. But no one else seems to see the monster, and with every passing day, his father falls deeper into the clutches of evil. And I guess the interesting part of it is, like, next, it to- talks about, based on Zach Thompson's true story of coming to terms with a disabled parent. So, um, you know, it looks like it's based on a true story uh from his past and, uh, you know, how it gets dealt with and everything. So, should be interesting. The art looks good. Uh, it's aftershock. I haven't been too disappointed. Uh it's a, you know, it's not a hardback. It's a prestige format. So 7 64 pages. I don't think you can go wrong. So some good aftershock there. Yes. Next for me,
0: and this is going kind of off the trail. This is under a book by Fantagraphics. And if you want to look in previews, it's on page 302. It's called Doll by Guy Colwell. And I'll just read the solicit. And then you can make any comments you want. Doll is cel- celebrated cartoonist Guy Coldwell's satirical take on patriotic patriarchal ownership, dehumanization, and sexual obje- objectification. When an artist crafts a lifelike sex doll for a disfigured middle-aged virgin, it soon takes on a lurid life of its own. Like an erotic Frankenstein's monster, the mannequin brings out the basis instinct and in each person crosses its path with.
1: Hmm.
0: Interesting. This is another one of those books. It just sounds you know psychologically interesting of how this is going to play out. But you had this mannequin or this creation that's doing all this stuff. So it, it kind of takes this character out of the moral realm. So if it's not human, is it really doing anything immoral? Does it have a soul? Does it have a conscience? Uh, uh, I, I'm just curious to see how this plays out. I just really thought that would be an interesting. And it's a soft cover, original graphic novel, 276 pages. So, and it's part of what's called the fanographics Underground line, which tends to be rather adult in nature, adult themes, sometimes to the ex- extent of being you know, quite disturbing psychologically.
1: Hmm. Had it been oh, printed before, a, or is this the release. first time in print, do you think? Oh, okay, so it hasn't been seen yeah. anywhere else.
0: Oh, this is not a collection, a trade paperback collection. It's just an original story.
1: Yeah, it looks like it's black and white, several pages. It's not not prose, is it? Okay. Cool, cool. So, and Fenographics is... I mean, that's kind of the type of stuff they usually put out, right? They don't really put out traditional floppies. They do
0: on rare occasions, but not too much. No, they usually wait and do full collections, which I think is to their advantage because that avoids... The problems that publishers like Black Mask have where you get the first two issues and then nothing after that for
1: (laughs) six or eight months. All right. Are we ready for our next one after a slight hiatus? Yes, we are. (laughs) Ah, the wonders of technology. Yes. And I guess it was nothing with, it was nothing with our recording. It was, uh, third party, uh, technology outside the realm of podcasting. Alright, so I think you finished up talking about Doll, so, uh, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna, my next pick is I'm gonna skip through, cause we're gonna go all the way to Vault, because I didn't have anything else until we got the Vault. And I'm gonna pick the Queen of Bad Dreams, number one. Cause I'm really liking the Vault stuff, and do you recognize the homage cover to, uh, to this Vault?
0: Yes, that is. I can't remember the number but that's uh the Batman where he's showing up the Rogues Gallery on the different cards or different villains of the Rogues Gallery.
1: It could be or it could be um no, uh, what is it? Madam Xanadu first appearance of Madam Xanadu. And I can't okay. I can't think of the name of it right now. Even and I'm the one that brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> But I recognize the cover, but it's not Madame Xanadu. Uh, It's house uh it's like one of the house of somethings. No, I take that back. It is actually Madame Xanadu number one. (laughs) No, I'm sorry. Yeah. Look at Madame Xanadu number one from 1981. Cover art by Michael Kaluta. But anyway, uh, Vault's done really pretty good with their uh, homage covers, and I'm actually surprised they're doing this. Usually, that's the second print. But you're looking at the B cover here is like that. Um, I've heard that the second print to the Savage Shore uh, shores by Vault, which has got the homage to the uh, Tomb of Dracula, is like going for like $60, $70, 80 dollars now. That's, wow! Everybody loves it. So. Here they are doing an homage cover on their first issue, so um, and it kind of fits, cause, so if you read the uh, description of it, that when an entity known as a figment emerges from a dreamer's mind, it is Dayer's job to track them down and make the call. Reinsert the figment or grant them agency in our world. After an especially powerful figment escapes the dreams of an even more powerful politician's son, Dayer is pulled headlong into an investigation that traces all the way back to the incident that sent dreams, even nightmares, spilling into our reality. So it's almost like a dream prize, right. which is which is a comment by JMS. Um, and I guess it plays on some stuff from the dreaming from Sandman uh, from DC. So we'll see what kind of new twist they give it on the things here. But there you go. There's your instant uh, homage cover without having to get a second print.
0: I'd flagged this one as well, but I put it down as an alternate because I was pretty sure you were going to. Pick it, so uh, But yeah, Vault's doing really well Really good stuff
1: hmm I'm actually liking them better than Black Mask because, you know, <laughs> Vault stuff actually Comes out. For the most out. part, they've had a couple of Glitches And uh, Well, you know what, I think there are a couple of Series that I don't think have finished or Or something happened That I need to track down So But for the most part, I've enjoyed the Vault stuff so, looking forward to that in... When's this coming out again? This is the February, so these are the May solicitations. April. April. Most of them are April yep. solicitations. So, some good stuff there.
0: All right. The next thing I had, and this is somewhat surprised me. It's... It's on page 304 of previews, if you want to go to it. It's from Floating World Comics. And... It's a new title in the all-time comics line. Neurosis Deathscape, number mm-hmm. zero. and uh, But this is really confusing me because the all-time comics was a series, a line of comics. Josh Baer was the writer or the editor of this. And they are newsprint comics that are done completely in
1: Golden and Silver Age style. And what would you consider Golden and Silver Age style?
0: Uh, Just the way the artwork is done, uh, the style of the artwork, the heroes were, the costuming, the dialogue is kind of, it's that, you know, using a lot of the slang and dialect, but it was modern type of material. Some of it was almost Adult. The original titles were Blind Justice, Crime Destroyer, Bullwhip, and gosh, I thought there was one other, but I can't remember. And, but like Bullwhip is a a woman, female superhero with a bullwhip. And, you know, her arch nemesis is a character called the misogynist (laughs) who wants her to He's wanting her to capture him and whip him. So he's looking for a, a dominatrix. And they were all tied in together. Each were crossing over into one kind of a uh, universe that he was creating here. And it was, depending on who you talk to when you were reading reviews and such that people thought he was either paying tribute or homage to the golden age silver age books or he was condemning them sort of backhanded way of condemning them I don't know I just thought they were good reads but what confused me when I saw this was that they were originally that original set were published by Fantagraphics so he, they have moved publishers and if you look on the, the previous page it says all-time comics season 1 trade paperback that's the collection of the original 6 floppies that came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they're starting this new Xerosis uh, Deathscape. Bronze Age Mavericks in collaboration with Fearless cartoonics It's It's... so It looks like it's going to be continuing the same vein. If you're looking for something that's offbeat, quirky, and just kind of strange and fun at the same time, this might be something people would like to check out. Mm, sounds like I mean, it. It's the kind of stuff I like. Now, unfortunately, they're on newsprint, but they're still three ninety nine. I don't. That's my only. Oh,
1: is it? Are there extra? Are there extra pages?
0: Uh, no. Usually about twenty eight pages. They're standard length comic
1: books. Hmm. Okay. Well, maybe that's the current rate, no matter what the paper is for some.
0: Well, for fanographics, I understood because they don't tend to discount anything really. But it's the same cost here under uh, Floating World Comics. And like I said, if you want to get the, the what they call, All-Time Comics Season 1, it's a trade paperback. It collects the first six issues. Yeah, um, Soft cover,
1: it's $25, which is a pretty good price. No, sounds uh, cool. Sounds cool. I'm sure that'll pique some people's interest.
0: I believe Martin has read some of the all-time comic titles, and I've I've talked about them to people, but I don't... They're not widely read, but I think they're worth looking at.
1: There you go. Cool, cool. Alright, so I think my final official one is, we're going to have to go back to Dark Horse. On page 122, HP Lovecraft's at the Mountains of Madness, the Volume 1 trade paperback. So... I keep, you know, I have, as much as I've talked about it, and I kinda like this era of stuff, I've never read any H.P. Lovecraft. The closest I've come is playing some video game back in the 90s. I can't think exactly what it was that was kinda based on some Lovecraftian stuff, so. Uh, but this is the one that I think always gets mentioned. It was like mentioned in, when, um, Oh, I can't think of his name now. Crap, it's escaping me. Uh, Alan Moore, Alan Moore, in his uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen universe, with the three hardback series of the Nemos, uh, or one of the Nemos. It's like one of those. One of the uh, chapters is based, or they go kind of through the mountains of madness, and so it's it's popped up there. It's popped up in other places. It's quoted. I actually think there is a board game based on the Mountains of Madness. My LCS owner was talking about, because he's really big into board games and such. And I think it's actually there to shop, but... um, It's one of the things I've been wanting to get into, some Lovecraft. And, you know, maybe this is a good introductory to it. And it's going to be... It's by... Oh, I can't even... I'm going to totally mispronounce his first name. Gal Tanaby. And he previously did Lovecraft's The Hound, and it was nominated. But what's, what's neat about this edition is it's metallic gold highlights on cover with silver ink tip in the sheet to reproduce the original Japanese design features. And then the entire comics, I think the trade paperback is in black and white. So 3- 316 pages, 1999. You're going to have gold highlights on the cover. It's recreating some other design features based on Japanese and all that. But the art looks great. Um and I think I'm going to get it just because I think it's a good way to get into uh Lovecraft is what I've been wanting to do because the Lovecraftian stuff also appears in the Conan books and I really like Conan, I like the dark horse comics of it and I th- you know, I think Howard incorporated some of Lovecraftian stuff into his his pulp works with Conan and the others so it's, it's nice to kind of go back to the era when authors kind of borrowed from each other and they didn't consider it stealing and suing each other or stuff. You know, if somebody had a good idea, they incorporated it or they made this bigger universe or whatever. So, um, I've just had an interest in Lovecraft from that and, hey, maybe this will be my way to get my toes wet.
0: Nice. And it's a monochrome comic. I love monochrome comic. Mm hmm. I'd uh, I, had, I, I glanced at that, but I didn't really look at it in depth when I was going through. So, very nice. Well, remember, this is kind of my last official. And this is sort of it gets an asterisk, because I'm putting two in one here.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, this is on page 252. Oh. Ahoy Comics is coming out with what they call their second wave of comic books. And we had talked about a couple weeks ago what they were going to do next, if they because. Some of their books have ended their first arcs and we're just waiting on those to restart. But the first one that they're doing is called Bronze Age Boogie. <laughs> Stuart Moore and Tyrone Finch are the writers. And you read this first sentence and you got to get this book. I mean, you got to get it. What do you get when you combine all the best love comic genres of the 1970s? Apes, monsters, kung fu, sword and sorcery and comic adventure. You get Bronze Age Boogie an intense character-based action feast, plenty of style. I'm in. I'm in already just by reading that.
1: Well, I'm trying to figure out further descriptions where it's saying somebody's fighting a battle in 1976 AD and 1976 PC.
0: Yes. I don't know. It's going to be – it looks a hell of a lot of fun to me. So (laughs) I'm in on that.
1: Oh, I'm all in. I'm enjoying the the, the Ahoy stuff. Yeah, I'm
0: all in. And right below that, they've got another number one that's starting, Planet of the Nerds. Written by Paul Constant with art by Alan Robinson and Randy Elliott. Three high school jocks in the 1980s are accidentally frozen by an experimental cryogenics device. Only to be revived in the computer-driven superhero movie living world of 2019. (laughs) An era ruled by nerds. (laughs) Not the most original trope, but, you know, I'm going to give it a shot. Hey, it works. It works. I've been pretty much pleased with everything else that I've always done so far. Yeah,
1: yep, yep. Well, I also want to give it an honorable mention shout out to. I know we weren't going to do the big two, but uh, DC, the Vertigo, in May is putting out Six Days, an incredible true story of D-Day's lost chapter. So it's a it's a D-Day, uh, it's a Vertigo D-Day. I think it's a hardcover, uh, written by Venditti. Uh looks wow. great. I I love war comics. You know, this is uh I'm trying to sit here and find the details on it, but they don't do it right there. So, but anyway, it's uh just look at the art that's coming out of it. It's D-Day, it's World War 2, it's vertigo, so I don't think it's going to pull any punches. And you know, there you go. So, I highly recommend that. I'm going to I'm going to begin. It has to do with the... I'm trying to find a summary on it. It's the worst mid-drop, the misdrop of the D-Day campaign, so a group of soldiers are rattled to the core when they find themselves lost in a small village in France with the enemy lurking near. Miraculously, the citizens of... uh, Ah I'm mispronouncing that. Vote to feed and shelter the soldiers, knowing that the decision would bring them terrible punishment if their efforts were discovered by the Germans. This is a true story of what happened during the next six days. Ending in a battle that altered the course of the D-Day campaign. Nice. So, so honorable mention there in the, from the Vertigo line, coming out in May. And I want to give a shout-out to previews, because if you look on page 45, you see where Lemire is starting a new series called Ascender, which is the follow-up to Descender, or it's a sequel to Descender. And... They sit there and go through the whole story timeline or whatever for Descender, so you can kind of know what's going on in Ascender. So you don't really see that too much.
0: No. Plus, they give one, two, three, four, four pages of sample art. So they're really they're either really trying to push this or really expecting a lot of things out of it. And Descender was such a damn good series. Yeah, I thought about putting this oh. one there, but. Uh,
1: yeah, I never read it. I kept hearing good things about it, um, and I just, I don't know, never did. So I'm thinking maybe I need to go get the trades and I would read up. It. It's They're very, you know, they're not too
0: terribly deep. I mean, they're quick reads. You got Jeff Lemire and Dustin Nguyen on art. I mean, it's, yeah, you can't go wrong.
1: Yeah, but I, but you know, I sat here and I read this whole uh, timeline, so I'm kind of like, yeah, I probably know everything already. Yes, and for those that are familiar with Descender,
0: Ascender starts 10 years after the end of Descender. But now we're in a world where all technology is gone. And this looks like it's going to be more focused on sort of a magical realism. So it's, yeah, it's going to be quite a departure from what you're, what he wrote before in Descender, which I'm curious to see how people are going to react to that. <laughs> people tend to like gonna be more a- of the same thing, you know.
1: Oh, you think they're going to be upset?
0: Some people will love it. Some people won't. Just,
1: you know. But hey, there you go.
0: I had one other. It's, I don't know if it's would call it an honorable mention. This is on page 161 under IDW. They're doing another mm-hmm. Dick Tracy series. Oh, I saw that. And at first I was put off because it's not done by the All Reds. Uh, the artwork's not done by that like the first series. But who they do have, the writer and artist is Michael Yvonne Oming, who is mm-hmm. one of the co-creators of Powers the comic book series. If you ever read that, which was a damn good series?
1: Well, he also had, uh, I do believe The Mice Templar, which I read, which I very much enjoyed. Yeah, he
0: has quite a, quite a
1: background of work, but.
0: So, I don't know. I may get this one, I may not, but I just... I'm a big Dick
1: Tracy fan, and I like the current series that they've done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was entertaining. So I enjoyed it. Is it over yet? I can't remember if I got uh, the final issue.
0: I one. think, yes, it did. The final issue just came
1: out a week or two ago. Okay, I just probably haven't gotten to it yet.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of behind on some things, too.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So... Well, you well, anyway, it took a little extra time, but I think we finally got through it.
0: Yeah, we did. We did. And hopefully we will continue to experiment with the format on this. So please let us know. Tweet us or something or talk to us. For those of you that are on our Discord channel, let us know how you like this. Give a suggestion for approval, improvement, improvement. Before I forget, did you see that tweet that I copied you on?
1: Oh yeah, I saw that. Oh my god, I saw that. Yeah, did he buy it for a dollar? I don't know. If, if he did, <laughs> okay. <I remember laughs> my, uh,
0: Mike Myers sent me a tweet that retweeted Aaron Myers, who's big collector, and he had just gotten he had gotten a copy of Love and Rockets Number One, the original Number One, the self-published Number One they did with a black and white cover, which is rare, very rare. And he sent it off to CGC and came back a 9.8. A 9.8. Now, it's not signed. That would be the only thing that would make it even more valuable. But that's – I I have rarely been more envious
1: than I am right now with that. Well, I just know on his tweets he likes to post a lot of, bought this for a dollar, got this for a dollar, found this for a dollar. I don't even
0: know I want, want to know what he paid for. If he paid for a dollar for it, I'm just – I may just cut my throat and just beat <laughs> that
1: Ah, uh, uh. oh, it's not that bad. You can have one if you're just willing to pay enough. That's true. But
0: no, I'm convinced I'm going to find a uh, Batman 457
1: uh, at C2E2 for cheap.
0: So, <laughs> mm-hmm. I also still believe in the Tooth Fairy as
1: well. So. Well, they're still out there. Oh, they're still yes, out, I'm there. out there. We will see. Anyway, all right. So, so is that going to do it for this week? Well, I'll do it for
0: this one, I guess. Um, best of the rest. If you want to tweet the show, we're at BOTR comics, or you can tweet me directly at Jay forgets.
1: And I'm at Oot Inger.